Deru Kuiha Uteru, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Japanese for the post that can will be struck. Oh my goodness. Roughly equivalent to the nail that sticks out will be hammered down in honor of Red Bull, maybe sticking up a little taller than they should, which we'll get to later in the show. Ooh. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing good. Um, yeah, I, I love this wing of F1. This feels like, because it's the furthest away. It's all, the, like, anytime we're in Asia, it always feels like even more special to me. Like, ooh, F1 goes places. So I'm, I'm like a pig and shit right here. <laughs> Uh, also going places, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Oh, just stoked for 24 races. That's just not enough if they're all like this. Just give oh, me no. <laughs> give me more of this, more venues like this, uh, more races like this. Mm, I am fired up for the remainder of this F1 season. Rob, if, uh, I'd, if I'd have said Singapore that was wet, how, how would, how, doesn't that sound so lovely? It does, it does, but the thing is, it wasn't wet, Danny, it was greasy. It was, <laughs> okay. Singapore had had bad skin, All right. uh, and, it, and it looked the part. I like this race, we'll get into it, I'm sure. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you, and if you are new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge. And explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 178. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What's been going on this month, Danny? Let me peel back the curtain a little bit here. On Friday morning, we went, we like woke up at eight o'clock to like do our patron podcast of Truth in Twenty Four, and it was at that moment that Danny remembered he had not watched the movie. <laughs> so, <that, laughs> tail between it's more my like legs. one of those dreams where you forget to do your homework. Oh, one hundred percent. I was mortified, <laughs> and I had to um yeah tail between my legs tell the guys I'm so sorry. I messed up so we're recording that tomorrow so it'll be out tomorrow um for uh, all the patrons truth in 24 um and which is on like, youtube if you'd like to if yeah. you'd like to watch it ahead of our uh, is is, is that where show. you guys saw it because i was wondering if that one was good i saw a comment in the in the comments that said somebody said it was out of sync but they might have been talking about the captions i'm not sure but it was oh, all good yeah it was it was fine for me if, if you if you don't mind the espn2 ticker going along oh, the really? bottom yeah it's great <laughs> ripped straight from television i love it um Danny, it's like, that's good the, the really the real baller move would have been to simply <laughs> just look up it. the race results for that for that year <laughs> and just fake it i'm sure there was like a wikipedia <laughs> synopsis i could have consulted oh, the part where <laughs> that other audi uh had the incident on lap number <laughs> oh dear it's yes I was, I was deeply moved <laughs> The camera work was just, you know, and then it started to get dark, and there was that shot of the floodlights. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, kinda, that actually, that's actually where it would have caught you. You would think oh, really? a, a movie about Le Mans would have, like, more night. Not much. Oh, really? That's, okay. Yeah. They didn't turn on the... This was this was shot a while ago. They could have... Do you remember the old uh, VHS camcorders you'd have that had that, like, chunky 
like night vision mode. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you just like flip like it felt like something inside the camera was getting moved in front of the sensor. Um, could have just done that. But alas, you will have to wait for my hot takes and the hot takes of Drew and Rob on Truth and 24 on the Patreon feed for another 24 hours. Uh, in the meantime, though, thank you to all of our incredible title sponsors. Kick aha. Of the art. I think I got that right, finally. At Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, At Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, Pyrites, Card Castle, Iron Station Studios, Alan McCrary, TelemetryDeck.com, David Mule, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foote, Abdullah Othani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, Enzo and Ayrton, Bunny Damon. Now, this is really a tax write-off. I don't know what's going on over there with the, with the crimes. <laughs> Snigs, Alex Goucher, Max Faltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Starmer. I like how we've got a Damon and a Demon here. Mm. Uh, Troy, Troy Starmer, Umberto Roca, William Romph, Irvine Clinical Research back in the game, Lackland, the Maddened Man, and of course, Jason Kelly. Fantastic. Uh, well, seeing as this is a post-race show and a pre-race show let's get right into it uh yeah. qualifying started on intermediate tires so a big old rainstorm had opened up just before um well that's not true it, uh on free practice three it was even wetter they were on yeah. wets but then it, it dried a little bit uh and while everyone was uh looking for when to put on those dry weather tires aka the slicks uh it just kept going further and further down the road the track took forever to dry it's you know at that time and this was true for the race as well there's no sun uh it's humid and there's no wind due to trees and buildings so the water just hangs there forever yeah it reminded Um, me of back home where it rains and it's just puddles for days because it's just cloudy um mm. you know but yeah it was wild just seeing and that played its course even more so in the race, which we'll get to when over, you know, hours, basically, there was not nearly the change that they're used to. Yes, but it's always fun, uh, you know, to see when people try to go on to slick tires. And we had that both in qualifying and the race. Vettel tried slicks in Q2, but it was too early and he did not advance. Uh, and while everyone else switched to slicks in Q3, Sonoda remained on inters and had the fastest time for a while until <laughs> yeah. eventually the track ramped up, uh, which then causes everyone to basically make huge jumps in timing every time <laughs> they pass the line, which is always fun to watch uh, and always unpredictable as to how it will turn out. Uh, also unpredictable was the fact that Verstappen on his final lap was up in sector two and then just went into the pits. Yeah. Okay. Ran so out, ran out of gas. To me, it also felt like it, it felt like there were two misjudgments there because wasn't mm. didn't he basically abort the previous lap? Yeah, because he made yes. a small error, a small error that he was he like, said, I can he go said back. they told him to. I think. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Th- and they did so uh, on that first lap when he was he was it was two purple sectors. Um, they did that to back off uh, and give himself room to Gasly so that he could get. Uh, an op- more optimal final run. And I don't know, I haven't seen this anywhere, but maybe that contributed to the why he had to abort the final lap, which was because he did not have enough fuel. Mm. It's not that he ran and was going to run out of gas. It's that at the end of qualifying, at the end of the race, you need to have uh, at least one liter of fuel left in your car so that the scrutineers can drain it and test it for illegal for for 
HGH for, an, yeah. for, for drugs. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And that's a big penalty. That's not like a slap on the wrist. Like, I think if you fail you that one, from the back. you go to the back, exactly. So it's not not worth it. But yeah, in the post in the post quality interview I saw, he said that he was mostly annoyed about the first call. Um, that the second call was kind of, was what it was, yeah. but he said it was a result of the first one. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. Okay. I think, like, I, the minute you're doing that, the, like, when you're getting that cute, and you're like we're gonna like we're pretty confident we can get these these two tenths. All you need to do is pull out a second really strong lap after you've consumed some battery <laughs> too. Like the entire yeah. like that entire decision, uh, I was like, sometimes you just gotta accept that like you're just not gonna get that perfect run. Um, and here they they just ended up having to take uh, you know a, a really imperfect and early time because uh, because of trying to get overly precious with that with that final lap. Yeah, well, eighth place, better than 20th, I suppose. Uh, I just, I thought this was um, maybe one of the most interesting things in the whole weekend because, you know, it said to me that even if you're on top, like Red Bull is running away with this, at least from the team's champion, well, team's and driver's championship, right? Mm. Uh, Even if you're up there on top, the margins of risk in Formula One are still razor thin. Like you are, you're not like just walk strolling along to the end of the championship. Unless Um, you're Lance Stroll. Uh, yeah, exactly. Then you stroll all day. It's true. Uh, all right. The grid for the Singapore Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc, pole position. Uh, I'm joining him on the first row of the grid. Sergio Perez in second. Then we've got Lewis Hamilton. Uh, the Mercedes apparently brought a lot of upgrades to uh, this track. Um, George Russell, though, uh, did not do so well. We'll mm. get to him later. Uh, he, at least in qualifying. Uh, Carlos Sainz in fourth, Fernando Alonso in fifth, Lando Norris in sixth, Pierre Gasly in seventh, Max Verstappen in eighth, Kevin Magnussen in ninth, and Yuki Tsunoda starts tenth. Then we've got Lance Stroll, Mick Schumacher, Sebastian Vettel, Zhou Guan Yu, Valtteri Bottas in fifteenth, Daniel Ricciardo, Esteban Ocon, Alex Albon in eighteenth, back in the car after his bout with appendicitis. Uh, Nicholas Latifi in 19th and George Russell starting 20th uh, because he um, replaced a lot of power unit elements. <clears throat> uh, he'll actually start, I believe, from the pit lane. Is that right? Yep. He's starting pits. Uh, so he actually went out in Q1, citing an issue that popped up in practice where he just wasn't able to make certain turns. So I, I think, don't know. I think know. he went on Q2. Like, I think he made it to Q2 because I, I feel like, didn't he. I feel like he was going to start like twelfth or thirteenth. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I may have just typed the wrong number here. Yeah. So, so like it was like he had a compromised car, certainly a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. Did you see the repeated crash he did in, in practice that Drew referred to? He, he kind of he like he locked up his brakes and went into a wall. I'd say at soft speed, but touched it both times. But it was like repeatable. And then the second time it happened, he said, "I don't know why that's happening." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, he did qualify 11th. Right. Right, he yeah. missed he missed Q3 by like six, uh, like 1,000, so I want to say. It was really wild, but either way, um, yeah, he, he, this was this was the start of a really, really lousy night for Russell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just like qualifying, the race, everyone will also start on intermediate tires because it is just a little damp uh danny do you want to take us through this start 
Yeah, it's worth mentioning just in terms of qualifying as well that qualifying is key here, obviously, because we are looking at a street race. Um, Also, there was a a lot of interesting scuttlebutt from the drivers in relation to how the surface felt because we have not raced here in quite a while. Um, So, you know, even year after year, uh, even on street circuits, you know, you'll have a little bit of retention of rubbering or whatever it is. But, um, you know, no surprise on the inters for everyone because of the wetness, but also just because the track is a little bit funky this year. Um, And also these new cars at this, there's a stamina issue here with some of these cars in this heat. Um, You know, it's it's the toughest race of the year uh, for physically for the drivers. So a lot of questions about, you know, uh, how this will all shake out? Uh, yeah, the start- they, the, the, sorry, Danny, just sorry. The, just to hammer on the the conditions here and the the brutal nature of this. They say that drivers can lose up to three kilograms, which is six point six pounds during the race. I was watching a post. I want to say practice interview with um, Lewis Hamilton, and he looked gaunt. It was the strangest thing. I, I was like, he looked. Like Christian Bale in The Machinist, his face. It oh, was like God. you could see his cheekbones. And I was like, what is going on? And then the next person up, I think, was Lando. And then I was like, well, he looks he looks skinny too. Like, too, like, what's going on? And then I remembered, oh, it's Singapore. Like, I wonder if already they were losing, like, water that fast. Um, but it was really, it was crazy. It was, they all looked like they were, you know, could use a could use a cuddle and a nice meal. Um but anyway, we'll get to the start of the race and it really it's a it's a tale of two Red Bulls. Um Perez is is in second, but pretty much right away his start is lightning. He gets ahead and he's leading the two Ferraris into turn 1, um pretty much uncontested. Uh Verstappen, however, uh, in the middle of the grid has a horrific start and does looks like anti-stall I guess. I think he dropped back as far as 14th perhaps. Um he recovers a few places into that um, uh, turn by by he he sort of like takes the early you know cuts the first chicane so we can get a better lineup for the second one, um, but he he continued to struggle throughout the lap. He had he was overtaken by a fantastic overtake by Kevin Magnussen up the inside, um, which also put him in a rotten position, uh, which meant that Daniel Ricciardo also pipped him. Uh, Verstappen got that position back from Ricciardo, I think, like two turns later, um, and we also had a. And I think it was an unforced spin by Albon. I'm not quite sure what happened back there. He spotted ends up at the back of the back of the pack. And um, but for Singapore, it was a fairly clean getaway, honestly. Especially considering we're on, you know, inters uh, and we have a lot of rookies who've never driven here before. There's been some calamitous crashes all over this circuit uh, on turn one, on turn three, on turn five, and largely everyone, apart from Albon with his little spinneroni, uh, got through it okay. Yeah, uh, the big gainer, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, uh, he 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 started. Let's see what thirteenth uh, made up five positions on the opening lap um, by being incredibly good in the wet. And it's long been said that Vettel has like an uncanny ability to feel wheel spin, uh, which certainly helps in the rain. He makes up five positions mostly by swinging around everyone in those first few corners. Uh, who are carefully, you know, t- tiptoeing their way around uh, the wet track. Uh, Ricardo also had a pretty good start, gaining three places into 13th. Uh, but yeah, then, then Verstappen, after his his uh, poor start, begins his trip through the field, passing Stroll for 10th place on lap two. Uh, but as we'll see, a wet Singapore makes for difficult going mm. um, in in that sort of scenario. 
Uh, and on lap seven, the track takes its first victim, Zhou Guan Yu, who gets crunched <laughs> into the wall by Nicholas the, Latifi. The track or Nicholas Latifi? <laughs> yeah, this was about uh, as bad as it gets. Um, I didn't see him, I think, is what Latifi said. I can't says. believe Latifi did that to you, Danny. After, after <laughs> weeks of, you know, he's just like the least good of the best drivers in the world. Uh, he basically just turns into a guy who just does a no-look, like, slow merge into your car. <laughs> like, it is yeah. the length of time we had, like, yeah. the, like the... Uh, Joe has to observe this happening with no room, nowhere to go, uh, and he just, you know, he reacted completely, like completely identified with his reaction, where he's just like, "What?" Yeah, th- <laughs> like, this was this was the type of crash you see between like two elderly people in a in a in a parking lot, this in a in a multi story where they're merging and no one yeah, no one realizes what happens. You um, see it like ten seconds before it happens. Oh, yeah, yeah, just and he didn't. He didn't see him, he said, and it's like, well, use your mirrors, Nick. Yeah, yeah. just not, not great. Not, not, you know, maybe he's he's not getting the farewell he'd, he'd want, uh, but he's not helping his cause. Yeah, safety car deployed. They are both out of the race. Uh, Latifi earning himself a five-place penalty mm. for Japan uh, for that incident. Uh, too early for pit strategy here, though, really. Mm, yeah. Uh, we... Yeah, we restart on lap 11. Verstappen gets by Vettel in the first few corners, and then Gasly quickly thereafter at turn 13 for seventh place with probably the most beautiful pass mm. of this race. I think I, I gasped when I saw it. Just a pitch-perfect dive down the inside. Like I, I love the move where the driver behind waits for the driver ahead to make a move, and then the driver behind almost doesn't have to do anything. He just, like, right. it just... In, in the fighting game scene, it's like he has him downloaded, I think is the term. <laughs> and that's what it felt like to me. Like, I knew you were going to do that. And let me just waltz right in here for this place. Uh, worth mentioning as well, the DRS has not opened because this is technically a wet race. The cars are on inters. Um, I believe it is at race director's discretion at this stage whether or not they do open DRS because we're, it's not actively raining. So I think it stops being a wet race pretty quick. Um but up until this point, that decision has not been made, which means we're not getting a flavor of overtake here. Um, they're really having to dive dive in. And also there's an element of like the cars getting back into the positions they would be in kind of here, you know, where the cars that can overtake are overtaking. Yeah, and maybe it's a, it's a lack of the DRS, but the race kind of settles in at a certain point mm-hmm. and for a while is really only interrupted by incidents and retirements uh lap 22 alonzo goes out from a respectable sixth place with an engine issue Mm. uh as does his teammate esteban ocon four laps later they believe i think uh it it was a the same issue with the power unit Uh, they got both of them um lap 25 albon can't quite stop his car and noses into the wall retiring after that um just yeah the, the the williams is uh, I think we're even having problems in practice with drivability. Nicholas Latifi saying that when he uh, hit the brake, his um, wheel, like uh, he said, he said something that I didn't understand. When I brake, my my left hand goes to nine o'clock. Which, oh, okay. Isn't Didn't that be there? Isn't that where your left hand? Maybe he means like he's trying to turn, but it locks him there. I'm not sure. 
Uh, there was a um, weird little incident just prior to that as well where Sonoda had like a wobble on a corner and whoever was behind him almost collected him up the inside. It was oh yeah, a little bit hairy. hairy. Yuki uh, with a new 30... contract as well. That's right. Uh, Hamilton, who had been chasing signs for quite a while, this is on lap 33, has a similar one to Albon where yeah. he's coming in hot to a turn and just can't make it and goes straight into a wall. That was a shame because uh, it was like he was he was catching signs. Simons was having trouble here. Never felt comfortable. Always ch- like it, it pretty early on, like Leclerc and Perez, but I think they're, just, they're like 20 seconds up the road. Like they're, they are... Signs is, is racing a different race and yeah. it seemed like it was going to be a cool little, you know, competition between him and Hamilton. It was like a bummer that Hamilton sort of lost all that pace because that was at least one fight that was fun to watch. I mean, yeah, I, I, like to me, that looked like a move that you make when you're starting to feel like there aren't other options too. That yeah, was the that's thing. True. Like that was a Super that was late. a hopeful move. Um, but if, if nothing, if it wasn't on anywhere else, uh, I see how you end up making that making that decision to go for it there plus you know it's one of the few because of that runoff it's one of the few places you got uh some margin for error for recovering they they both drivers i think were saying that like this this with the mercedes upgrades here this is a car that can now win races so i maybe he you know the the optimism was buoyed by at least in some part uh you know those those upgrades but it didn't it didn't turn out here and it didn't turn out later in the race um but we'll get there uh, so Hamilton manages to rejoin, but he has to uh, uh, change his front wing. Um, as mentioned, it's always a gamble for the first driver to switch to slicks, and it is Russell, I believe, who is first. Nothing to lose. He, he has a tough time, uh, but he sticks with it, and eventually uh, the the track sort of comes to him. Um, AlphaTauri then kind of follows suits, puts both drivers on slicks, uh, Gasly pitting from 7th place and Sonoda from 12th, which Gasly pointed out after the race, kind of a big risk to take when your driver's in 7th. Yeah. Which I can't help agree, but agree with. A little bit, um, yeah. Um, and then what was interesting with the Russell stuff was he went on to mediums and, um, you know, the the idea being you know i guess temperature control more than anything else and that was the issue that the drivers were having was grip was one thing but keeping getting temperature in the tires and retaining temperature in the tires was going to be um like super important and it took him a while it was fun to watch it wasn't quite was a turkey remember that race where they all went on to Mm-hmm. slicks and it just was a complete like watching a bunch of ducks ice skating it was just ridiculous <laughs> uh it was kind of like that for the first couple of turns but um yeah he eventually like you said he did he did get it in the window the heat window and um that was uh that was the sort of uh canary in the coal mine for everyone else yeah although uh safety cars really throw uh, a wrench in that machine because they force you to slow down and that's exactly what we get on lap 36 when Sunoda on his new slick tires rams into the wall yeah bringing out the safety car um we do get a restart at t minus 34 minutes because the race is going so long that they're going to hit the two hour mark uh and it's not this safety car it's actually the one that came out for joe where perez uh, the leader for Joe, the one at the start. Yes. Okay. Um, P- 
Perez dropped back further than 10 car lengths behind the safety car, which is a no-no. Uh, oh, but yeah. we don't get a, uh, a notice until later in the race that Perez is under investigation uh, for a safety car infraction and that it will be assessed after the race. And um, as Brundle points out, I think it's this is because they want to hear the driver's side of it. I mean, ideally, it would be that, you know, we would get the penalties during the race. So we actually know how um, uh, things will shake out. Uh, it, it has strategy implications as well. On that note, did anything ever happen with the uh, Russell pit lane thing at the start? Do you remember that? Apparently, no. Russell, when he pulled out of the, his box to oh. line up for the start of the race, triggered the pit lane speed uh, oh. thing, which huh. it would be ridiculous because <laughs> the race hasn't started. They're just he's just on his way to the box, and so it triggered it, so it popped up. So that's an automatic like, oh, we're looking into it. But I, I don't know if anything ever happened with that. Also, he's running in last, so maybe it's a move. Give point, me the penalty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yes, he uh, apparently after the race did talk to uh, the stewards and um, said, I mean, yeah, I had cold brakes and cold tires. It was hard to at some points keep up with the safety car. Um, but the the thing flashes up there, uh, you know, Perez will be investigated after the race. So Red Bull says, hey, man, you, you might have a penalty coming your way. Time to turn it up. Because Leclerc is kind of hovering one to two seconds mm. behind him. Um, and it's impressive that even after these safety car restarts, they pull out a gap to whoever's in third, you know, signs uh, pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, Red Bull, Red Bull basically says, you might have a penalty coming your way, so let's let's turn up the heat. Uh, but at this point, on the, the second safety car restart, everyone has switched to slick tires. Uh, everybody but... Um, Ricardo and Botas uh, on mediums. Uh, those two uh, will restart on softs. And the top 10 looks like this on restart. Perez, Leclerc, Sainz, Norris, Verstappen, Ricardo, Stroll, Vettel, Hamilton, Gasly. Mm. So on the restart, Verstappen uh, attempts a pass on Norris and has a humongous lockup uh, going into the runoff area. He then soon has to pit with those flat spotted tires going onto the softs and dropping to last place. Again, only 30 minutes left uh, in this in this race. Uh, lap 40, Russell and Mick Schumacher tangle at the back of the field, resulting in a puncture for Schumacher. Uh, and at the front of the field, um, this is when Perez is finally told about his potential penalty. Uh, lap 51, with a pass on Botas, Verstappen gets himself back into the points. And then a lap later gets Gasly again for ninth place. Mm. And then as the race is winding down, lap 57, T-2 minutes, there is a train of three world champions, Vettel in seventh, then Hamilton <laughs> and Verstappen. Uh, Hamilton tries a move on Vettel, but locks up and barely yeah. makes the turn. Uh, and this allows Verstappen through. Yeah, that was rough. You almost yeah, could, could have taken that battle. Ones. It was close. Yeah, it was really close. Uh, shortly thereafter, on the final lap, Verstappen gets Vettel down a straight uh, into seventh place. But Perez holds on to the win, finishing seven and a half seconds ahead of Leclerc, enough to keep first place when that penalty eventually does arrive. 
So there you have it. Singapore Grand Prix. Sergio Perez is your winner with the podium places rounded out by Charles Leclerc in second and Carlos Sainz in third. Then we've got McLaren in fourth with yeah. Lando Norris and fifth with Daniel Ricciardo. Just what they uh, needed to close up that constructor stuff. This was no kidding. Yeah, and a day. double DNF from Alpine. Yeah. Uh, Lance Stroll's in sixth, Max Verstappen in seventh, and the other Aston Martin, Sebastian Vettel, in eighth. They jumped two places in the Constructors' Championship. Wow. To seventh. Then uh, we've got Lewis Hamilton in ninth, Pierre Gasly in tenth, and then Valtteri Bottas, Kevin Magnussen, Mick Schumacher, George Russell is classified 14th. Uh, a bit outside his usual top five finishes. <laughs> and as Will Buxton points out, uh, he has seven podiums this year, the most of any Mercedes driver in history without a without win. Without a win, yeah. Uh, and then womp, the DNFs. Womp. Always the bridesmaid. Yuki, <laughs> yeah. Yuki Tsunoda, Esteban Ocon, Alex Albon, Fernando Alonso, Nicholas Latifi, and Joe Guan Yu. And there that... Singapore. Yeah. I I don't know. I enjoyed the possibility space of this race, but it was a definitely like at a certain point I was like, oh, I wish it hadn't been wet, actually. Like some of that is fun because it's, you know, driver the cars are clearly not like they need that. Whatever bit of grip they were losing out of that was what they needed um to, you know, for some of these issues and lockups and stuff, but it just made overtaking tricky and it kind of turned it into a bit of a yeah, reshuffling of the deck. And for all of, you know, Mercedes upgrades and their race pace, you know, a bit of a calamitous day at the office um, in the end. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I, I have my own rating system for, for the races and I <laughs> I didn't know how to classify this one. Uh, I, I may need another point, you know. I I have a four a four, four point scale and this is right in between a two and a three. Mm. And it's... I don't know whether to classify it a strategy race or entertaining. It wasn't. It wasn't quite either. Either it's like yeah. a low three or a high two. <laughs> yeah, it was like a two and both. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, what were your thoughts yeah. about this race? Oh, it just it was interminable. Like it was. <laughs> Like qualifying was interesting because of the stuff we mentioned with the um you know with the the track evolution uh, happening, but that race right that rain right before the start I think just completely uh, torpedoed like what this race could be, and also really did bring home how much the, like this edition of the cars are lousy at handling conditions like this. Uh, they are like they are cars that visibly have more inertia. Uh, yeah. They wallow a bit more in conditions like this. So I, I do wonder if this race is as dull if they're on like last year's models. Um, yeah, for like it was to me, it, it just felt like uh, the action was slow. It was cautious. Uh, most of the time, somebody seems somebody tries to do something interesting. Uh, they end up having to bail out or like go into a runoff. Uh, yeah, it just wasn't. It was a, a a kind of grim race uh, for me. I think part of it, like I think the other thing it the other thing it drove home is uh, like if everyone keeps adding these like city races and such, uh, 
these may not be the right cars for it uh, in in, mm. in some ways. Like I couldn't I couldn't help but think if I imagine this race with indie cars, I think we get a much more exciting race because they can because they can uh, handle like they're, they're either either because the drivers are more used to it or the car is just more rugged at it. Uh, they they race on awful racing surfaces constantly. And like it kind of works, and here it just felt like uh, these cars are built for conditions that this race did not recreate, and that sort of uh, informed everything. But mostly it was just the the pace of the race, right? With all the with all the stops, uh, like after the delayed start, uh, the the like slower lap times, and then the constant like safety cars. Uh, it it just did feel like a a race that I could never get much there's never much um sense of like momentum though i guess mm. one thing i'll mention did they have to ground the helicopter because did they because i don't remember any aerial shots and i think one thing that also kind of bugged oh. me in this race is i felt like i could never get a good view of the race like it was hmm. it was all like constant out of context shots of like cars approaching a corner exiting a corner but i really rarely got any sense of um like position uh throughout this race and so part of it was like i remember some helicopter but it could have been quali i i can't remember no was Was it i i just watched the the recap and there um there were some helicopter shots i i don't know they might be a little limited in you know what parts of the track they can show with the helicopter because there are so many buildings they they talked about last week city tracks yeah they're they're not allowed to sort of dip low but there were a couple places where like did an overtake just happen? Oh, yes, it did, apparently. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, there was there yeah. were some of those. Even Hamilton's crash came up in the little pip. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool, <laughs> yeah. actually. I thought that was that was that was like that was the best use of pip I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm I'm kind of with you, Rob. It's like it it had all like you said, Danny. All right, Singapore, and it's wet. And you get a bunch of safety cars. Yeah. Pretty awesome, right? And it just, the the ingredients didn't come together in the way that, you know, they, they maybe could. Um, yeah, it was, I guess it's a track, you know, it, it has one longest straight, but I guess it's not, it's not that long and it kind of needs DRS. It's like, I worry can't all like... Be winners. Yeah, it was uh, to Rob's point about the street stuff. Like, I think that's why you end up with a Vegas that is the longest straight possible because like... Like you said, I think it's yeah. I don't think these cars are particularly yeah. I Look, can I can hear your argument. They're not they're not perfectly set up for this type of stuff. There's somewhere if F1 wants to stay in this region, it needs to come back home to Malaysia. Oh man, I miss it so much. <laughs> I miss. I feel like shit. I just want so it back. Good. That track <laughs> like rained out half the time amazing races uh yeah. like sort of a iconic uh like tilka style uh design these cars uh, would be awesome on it too oh yeah it's just like a downforce heaven like like oh my god like and could you just, imagine that uphill and then the double oh my yeah yeah and just like it. i don't know maybe throw some stadium lights on it see like if, you, if you're desperate for the night race but yeah that's that that was the kind of thing i was i was thinking is like uh these conditions would be awesome on a on a on a more like uh, a more proper track. Uh, well, on this proper track, it yielded a bunch of points. And here they are, cumulatively, across the season. 
This is my transition to the constri- the driver standings. <laughs> uh, Max Verstappen is on top with 341 points. Charles Leclerc in second with 237 to Sergio Perez's 235. Hmm. Uh, George Russell still in fourth place with 203 points, but Carlos Sainz Jr. is one point behind with 202. In sixth place is Lewis Hamilton with 170. Lando Norris has 100. Then we've got Esteban Ocon with 66. Fernando Alonso with 59. Uh, Valtteri Botas in 10th place with 46 points. And we've got Daniel Ricciardo now in 11th with 29 points. Sebastian Vettel's got 24. Pierre Gasly's got 22. And Kevin Magnussen in 14th with 22 um, I'm sorry, Pierre's got uh, 23, Magnuson's got 22. I think I said both have 22. Uh, Lance Troll in 15th with 13 points, then Mick Schumacher with 12, Yuki Tsunoda with 11, Zhou Guan Yu with 6, Alex Albon with 4, Nick DeVries with 2, and Nicholas Latifi and Nico Hulkenberg with 0. Uh, in the constructor standings, Red Bull Racing is on top with 576 points to Ferrari's 439 mercedes is in third with 373 and then a pretty big gap down to mclaren in fourth place with 129 four points now ahead of alpine in fifth with 125 then another big jump down to alfa romeo in sixth with 52 aston martin's got 37 gene haas and team have 34 34 points tied with alfa towery and williams in 10th place with six and that's Singapore. Singapore. Should we take it to the news. Yeah, we got a we got a big one here. We sure do. The big news story of the week. Rob Zachney. Yeah. Please enlighten what did I us. Do? We haven't you. complained about last year enough. Please, please regale us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So this has been bubbling up for a a like a week or so uh, since this since this has emerged as a rumor. Uh, so. Last week, uh, there there came some indications that the FIA they're about to handle hand out their certifications basically for last year's budgets. Uh, all the teams are required to hand over their books to the FIA to make sure they stayed under the one hundred forty five million dollar budget cap last year. Uh, all indications are there are two teams that are in breach, and what started to come out in the last week was that one of them is a small breach. And one of them is a big breach. Oh, it's a big old breach. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, right, like, even as these rumors began to emerge, there were some in early indications that people were sort of pointing at Red Bull. Uh, like, Horner came out and gave a statement uh, that basically said, hey, the FI's got all our books, auditing is ongoing, but hey, our auditors, like, looked, looked everything over everything we feel like uh, we're in a good place. There might be some, dis- like it's our first time doing this process. Maybe there's been some disagreements about how to tally some stuff, but we're we're pretty confident that uh, you know our books our books in order. Uh, our yeah, order. IRS has all our books. You know, there's nothing wrong. It's you know we're, we're we our taxes are usually fine, so I'm sure everything will be okay. So, <laughs> uh, I promise this is not just a, a Christian and, and Wolf uh, pissing match, but the, the Wolf does sort of uh, did sort of point out that, well, everyone like turned their books in a while ago and every other, it sounds like every other team uh, basically gotten all clear. Uh, 
but uh, for Red Bull, there's been an, an audit going for months and months. Uh, so so that's odd. Uh, and, and Wolf Wolf sort of put it out there. As far as we understand, there's a team in minor breach, which is more procedural, and another team that is massively over and that is still being looked at. But that's an open secret in the paddock. Uh, other team principals are pretty universally putting some heavy markers down about how seriously they want a major breach enforced. Uh, like minor breach, I think is like f- under like a five under five percent being over. Uh, they they like they will kind of do minor sanctions for that. It's it's sort of considered, um, you know, to the points that that Horner made. Uh, it is sometimes unclear how you're supposed to account for stuff. This is one of the things that was discussed in relation to the budget cap from the start. Is that Red Bull? Uh, not Red Bull, but uh, like F1 programs have complicated books because you have a you know a couple different entities in there uh typically involved there's a few things that can be categories categorized differently depending on how you look at it so f1 books are complicated i feel like that five percent figure is kind of there to acknowledge that look people are going to come to the end of a season and discover whoops we we went over a bit and that yeah because it's not like teams are underdoing it and then getting it the next year like they're sort of predisposed to get as close as humanly possible to the budget so yeah if they screw up a little bit there's a bit of a buffer over five percent where it becomes a major breach there is no like there is no uh basically basically schedule of punishments and the fia left this ambiguous intentionally because they did not and this was all agreed on with the teams like everyone broadly agreed that the minute you create a predictable schedule of punishments teams will just make their own judgments about when it is worth it to breach the rules so there was value in sort of a strategic ambiguity around well if we really go over what are they going to do to us and what is open and on the table is well we could just give you the electric chair basically um you know <laughs> like like disqualify you from from a season strip you of races uh le- levy other sorts of sanctions like the the whole kit is available to them, but like, do, yeah, do the, we know if retrospective punishment is on the table? Yes. Because last year was as close yes. as you can get. It, so it appears that that is also on the table. Uh, so again, like, like that's the thing. Nothing is like explicitly ruled in. Nothing's explicitly ruled out. But like the severest penalties are on the table here. Um, or I guess that's what's ruled in. Like all the bad things you can think of are are basically in play there. Uh, and then Man. what's what's not ruled in is uh, sort of a um, you know any sort of wrist slap or um, any, any sort of uh, you know thing where we correlate scale of breach to punishment. So here are some points coming from the other uh, team principals who do not have sort of the the rooting interest of um, of a total wolf. However, I will say Aston Martin has been sort of uh pipped as one of the other likely the other likely offender so remember that if there's a chance that all this like a lot of these teams are involved in close shootouts with uh their rivals so if aston martin uh you know gets gut shot from something like this that that benefits teams behind them so there 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 are those interests uh but williams uh yos capito uh sort sort of made the argument if somebody doesn't stay in the cost cap, it has to have serious implications because not having stayed in the cost cap last year is most likely development for this year's car. For this yeah. year's cars, you have an impact for the whole season. 
So it has to have a sportive impact on the season. It doesn't make sense that it would be. Uh, it doesn't make sense to have any financial penalty on uh, on top that you spent the money. Uh, that would be completely contra- contradictory to the rules. Um, so Safnauer also made a similar comment. He said at the margin, any spend above the margin is spent on performance. Once you start spending on performance where others don't get a chance because they've actually stuck to the budget cap, that's serious. I think the FAI has to appropriately punish uh, who have gone over. You have to first understand how big the breach was and what an appropriate penalty is. And all the, and all the team principles are very clear. It has sucked observing these rules that like right. all of them felt like they, they were they were hamstrung last year. This year, by all accounts, has been worse. Um, people have been like let go from teams to like hit this cost cap. Uh, but like also just routine decisions about like how to develop or improve your car have to get like uh, forestalled or canceled because you just you, you cannot uh, you, you cannot afford it under these under these cost caps. Ferrari, uh, maybe the most important voice here. Uh, their chairman said, uh, the most important thing for which we expect maximum severity and maximum transparency is that the overspend is confirmed as are the rules under which we must all race. Um, we understand that it could be a problem for formula one fans to have to reconsider past results. However, it is so very important for us to be sure the rules are respected and are genuine rules. And if they are broken, then real penalties must be applied. Uh, and if not retrospectively past infringements, then at least for the future. So that's that's the that's the other thing is like Ferrari's explicitly rolling in championship disqualification. Um and and that's uh, like on the table is both team and driver uh champion championship disqualification. Um you could also have like certain race results vacated. But the thing that uh Ferrari have been particularly adamant about is this is the first time these rules have been tested. If we fail the first test, mm-hmm. then the budget cap, which everyone agreed was vital to the future health of the sport and the viability of uh, like backmarker teams, all of that is going to collapse at the first test. And it's just going yeah. to turn into big teams uh, will kind of do what they want and uh, you know trust that their, their influence and their power will sort of shield them from accountability from this, and you're back into a spending arms race. Uh, Red Bull have sort of kept mum about this. They Well, to, up to a point. You had Horner out there saying that uh, other teams are making comments they regard as defamatory, and Red Bull may seek legal action, uh, mm. st- stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but from, like, from my perspective... Uh, it hadn't occurred. I hadn't thought that much about it. That, but it makes perfect sense that it is the knock-on effect, like that. That it is like if you're spending on technical development performance, um, you get to keep the benefit of that moving into future years. And so I think we're really like I'm really curious how big was this breach because we've had a whole season of man Red Bull really nailed these roles. They really came in with the best car. Uh, they look like they're completely prepared for this transition to the new generation. How could everyone else get it so wrong? If the answer is because they spent like, you know, 20% because they more. they cheated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Like, guys, what do you make of all this? This, yeah. To, uh, when this, I think knowing the sort of risk aversion 
of F1. And one and also I think you know of the FAA of F1 proper rather and also the um the the real desire to try and forget the scuttlebutt of last year, right? Which which you know, I think even even I want to just get past the the especially the, what happened at the final race, right? The mistakes were made. I think with all that in mind Look, if they if they cheated on the cost stuff, like they have to throw the book at the problem is that this is like you said this is the first time this is the litmus test, and if this if 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 it if the facts of what they have how much they overspent are as salacious as it kind of sounds like they have been and this has been slowly building, if there's not repercussions that match them, and appropriately match them, and let's be honest if they did overspend the cost cap during last season while they were trying to desperately get their first championship in forever and the margins against Lewis were insanely tight and ultimately, as much as I think Verstappen earned a championship as much as Hamilton, he got it handed to him at the last turn, at the last lap. That's kind of what happened. And he had to play dirty in a lot of races and I've never... I'm not part of the crew who thinks that like Hamilton was robbed or any of that sort of stuff. I think Verstappen had to do what he had to do. But last year, the mentality for me in that way was like, oh, they're the, they're sort of having to fight harder a bit because they're on the back foot and Mercedes are the team that have been in the ascendancy historically. Now, if they ended up doing that because they were spending a bunch, then I'm sorry, you have to throw the book at them. And you have to throw the book at them for this year because it completely colors like you said this was this was the most important year to nail because this was the first time you you spent a lot of money the previous year for this generation of cars but this was the first time the cars hit the track and the amount of like work that was done last year to try and put them in the position they are now and then when you look at the gap that Red Bull have to everyone it's yeah, it it all depends on what how much they overspent or what they spent it on or whatever it is. But like, if they if it is as bad as it sounds, and this has been a this has been a slowly building thing, and all sort of arrows point towards it, then this you know I I would expect this stuff to disappear under a rug a lot of the times. But yeah, I don't know this this could be really bad for them for last year and for this year. It's, this could be like we saw the closest one to this we saw recently was the Ferrari stuff about four years ago, um, and they they took them years to recover from it. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Rob, to to flag that this has pretty drastic implications for the sport. Um, you know, if, if they can't, if it comes out that you know, uh, if if they don't come down hard enough on this, then then what are we doing here? You know, then what, you know, there are, if there are no boundaries, how does the game work? You know, is, is it, what are we watching? Um, so I, I really, I don't, maybe look forward is not the, I, I anxiously await yeah. uh, the decisions here. Do you know when we so expect next Wednesday is apparently when okay. we get the ruling. And I think like a lot of it will be how, like, how massive is the is the overspend is going to be a big question. I, I think that there's also another element to this that is maybe worth highlighting. So there's a it, next Wednesday would also make it so it's between a, a decent gap between the Japanese and American Grand Prix. Um, Horner's head could roll for this. 
I think this is, if it's as bad, like, and this is kind of like looking a little bit further down and, and kind of assuming that this is bad, but the Red Bull's F1 sort of efforts are very much a brand exercise for F1. And if they are basically cheater, 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 like that is the opposite of what they are sort of here for. Um, if Corner presumably is in charge of the books and in charge of the team and the look of last year was not good for him either. I think he was a bad sport a lot of the year. I think all of that gets coloured totally different if you also there's the implication that they were basically also cheating on the well, books. And also like when this came out I sort of flashback to he spent the entire year complaining about the cost cap in light of inflation yeah. which all sounded reasonable it's like their their operating costs have gone up they have been up against it for the entire year but was there also an attempt to like establish precedent for well we can right. just fudge this you mm-hmm. know we could just fudge it uh the the fact that he was he was the most vocal person on that issue uh sort of sort of stands out now uh, because you know, was he was he a guy who knew that his organization had something to hide uh, on, on that front? Yeah, I'm like I'm with you both. Like the the problem for me is I just don't know. I don't know how you fix this without something drastic. Because the thing is, like, as as some of the people that were quoted there, you know, sort of acknowledged. So say you vacate last year's championship results. Okay, Max and Max loses his his title. Uh, Red Bull loses its uh, second place finish, and you adjust the pay. You you just pay for for all that, whatever. Um, they still came into this year with a performance advantage that they bought with an overspend. So what do you do about this year's Allegedly. championship? Right, like oh, right. That's the thing. Like some of this will come into focus when we get the ruling. Uh, I I am sure, but you know it is possible that yeah, you're right, Danny. Like. That in a championship where the margins were razor thin last year, they had an advantage in terms of they were just willing to go over uh, in a way that other teams were not. And then this entire year, they've been cashing in on what the overspend gained them. So, like, are you talking about, like, blowing away two years of results? Yeah. And it's because it's co- it's compound. It's not it's not like you, you know... You you overtook under the safety car, so that is something that happens for one moment. The problem is, is that if they, if every single point that they have scored is tainted by this, then every single point is up for you know question. And I, like Max Verstappen is a hundred points ahead of Charles Leclerc. They're not going to like if it's this, it all depends on how serious the thing is and how and how much they think they got a sporting advantage. Nobody from else this. has a and, good car this year. Like fundamentally, right. yeah. nobody else has a good car this year, and that's been the championship. Like Max has driven some great races. Absolutely true. Ferraris have been exploding right and left, and and Mercedes are wallowing <laughs> around tracks like shopping carts. Like it is like you look at it and say like this championship is entirely informed by like one of these cars was not yeah. like the other. And this entire year I was like, damn, like Adrian Newey, man, guy's a fucking genius. And, yeah, and Red Bull powertrains is going swimmingly. But if it's this, um, yeah, I mean, everything's on the table. But last thing I'll say is 
Red Bull, and I think this is like the reason everyone's being so outspoken about this is they're trying to stiffen up the FIA against the kind of threats that they're likely to get, which is if I'm Red Bull, I'm going to say if you try to do to us what you did to say McLaren uh, mm. around Stephanie Gate, we'll just leave the sport. We'll take two teams and we'll just bounce. Like, the hell with it. We're, we're not here to be humiliated. And we're not here to, you know, dump two years of effort and have it completely uh, ripped up on a technicality. That's probably the threat I'd make um, if I were in Red Bull shoes. And I think a few years ago, that might have scared the hell out of F1. I think, like, because, you know, eh, 10 years ago when, like, it wasn't so clear how F1 was doing, what was the interest yeah. level in getting in new teams, I think there there would have been real hesitation about sending someone packing. I do not think that is the case now. I think I it is. Oh, you want to exit F one? Go for yeah, it. We've because the, we know we've all these suitors standing over Porsche here. Porsche will be happy to, to buy spot. your team. They've already been clear. Yeah. We want to like, you know, you just blew up that deal. Uh, I am sure Porsche would be happy to buy that organization, lock, stock, and barrel, um, and do it. Or and if not them, other people. You're right. Like there, there's going to be a ton of suitors. If there's two you know, ready-made turnkey operations and all they did was screw up their accounting, but they're still like first rate operations. Absolutely. Like Michael Andretti, <laughs> Michael Andretti will be swimming over, over like across the ocean <laughs> to make this deal. It's, I think there's also like one other, like, um, we'll know a lot more in a week. So a lot of this is like us assuming that it's as bad as it kind of smells like it might be. Um, the other big victim in this is Max Verstappen because he is ultimately not, you know, he is the beneficiary of these things, but he's not any way connected to the type of, you know, unless Joss is like secretly like, you know, holding knives up to people's guts or something, telling them to overspend, you know, there's there's not much he can really do about it. And I think if you end up a scenario, and I'm doing a lot of like projecting and imagining things, but if you end up a scenario where Max Verstappen gets away, gets his maiden... Um, uh, championship taken away from him I think in a world in which he wins this year soundly and uh, then I, I don't think it's as big a deal actually I think he you know he'll have he'll have won another championship anyway in the event in, that we do have this sort of trickle down problem for this year and he also gets uh, points taken away this year I think it is I think that's catastrophic for Christian Horner I think somebody has to take the brunt of that because in the in the court of public opinion everyone's going to be looking for someone to 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 um crucify for that one and uh we we also may end up this is really projecting we, we may also end up in a period of chaos max that i don't think anyone is ready for if he is <laughs> if he is stripped of all that sort of stuff in a way that he feels wronged which he it, you could argue he is because he's not the one balancing the books um I think I I think this is such a this is the last thing F1 needs and I think that's why whatever happens on Wednesday is going to be very interesting because it probably behooves Liberty and F1 for this not to be a thing but they have do to it. do something this is, they so have to the thing like baseball had this with the Astros cheating yes 100% right? exactly that and, is exactly and they it. made that exact calculation whoa we can't we can't have any part of saying the world series that everyone watched and all that that that's that we're vacating that result that it's all bogus that, that team was a right. cheater and so they were like yes the Astros cheated all the records stay they're the champions uh but 
you know, we, we, we know. And that was a completely unsatisfactory solution. But here's the thing. Baseball, once the new season starts, there's no secret sauce to it. Like, there's no, yeah. it's not like they built a better player, uh, you know, you, by, by cheating. Uh, we've seen, we've seen baseball do that. We're not going back there. But, uh, but, but the thing is, it doesn't have that carryover effect. Like, baseball, baseball could say, eh, we ride it right. out. Like, you got one yeah. championship there that's got an asterisk, but, you know, ultimately all those guys still get to, you know, have their rings. And, there's and, a lot of asterisks in baseballs. Yeah. In exactly, baseball history. Exactly. So they're kind of used to it. But yeah. this is like, there's people saying, like, the effects of this wouldn't even out even in 2023. Because no. like you're developing from what you've got this year, uh, so if you can't every, like every win, could you imagine every single time Red Bull wins? If if the if the public think, and I'm not talking about bad actors, I'm not talking about the the Hamilton were robbed people. I'm I'm talking I'm talking about you and me and Drew and lots of people who who don't have that sort of affect, but but will look at this and go. And, and have an asterisk to every single Red Bull result, it's catastrophic for the sport. It means that everything is tainted with this negativity in a way that they're kind of lucky that the debacle last year happened at the last race of the season. I mean, in many ways, they're unlucky, but at least they could distance themselves from it a little bit. It, but if this ends up, yeah, it's it's a massive... The, yeah, it depends, what it, it depends on the details, but like if they're as bad as they are... I think the nightmare ugh. is if they overspent by like 8%. You know they breach the five percent where it's like becomes a major breach, but it's not like it's not like huge. You know, it's not like you could have run half of a race team off of like what like if it is just like they didn't ju- they didn't do a little boo boo. They did like a moderate like yeah they significantly overspent. I mean at that point, that's the nightmare because mm. then it's not clear like how can you say well can you put it all down to this this level of like rules breach. Probably not, but also you can't totally discount it. So, like, I think if you're, I think if you're F one, I maybe they're. I hope their auditors have not been given this this word on the slide because I hope they do their <laughs> job like fairly and honestly. But like, you're kind of praying that they either like stayed under that five percent number, uh, where you can sort of like hand wave it away, uh, or they wildly broke the rules, and it's just mm-hmm. one of those things where it's not even up for debate. Well, from one Red Bull team to another, uh, let's talk AlphaTauri here for a second before we get to Japan. Um, Yugi Tsunoda confirmed next year he will will drive for the team in 2023. Uh, Not confirmed yet. The other driver, we don't yet know if Pierre Gasly is going to, uh, the, the rumor is Alpine, to take the place vacated by Fernando Alonso, who has taken the place vacated by... Sebastian Vettel. Um, but the rumor is, from one Dieter Rankin over at Racing News 365, uh, that DeVries has already signed a contract with AlphaTauri. Hmm. Um, he he shone pretty brightly with Williams, but uh, the, the rumors have circulated that he and Helmut Marco have been having shadowy conversations, and uh, that that is where he will land. Um, the other rumor... Uh, is that Nico Hulkenberg will be in for Mick Schumacher at Haas, uh, leaving Schumacher, I guess, out of pocket after that. Hulkenberg what did you say, Rob? for Schumacher. I cannot believe Hulken. <laughs> How has he done it? What a guy. <laughs> like what a bad a, penny. Just, it's like a yep. Game of Thrones character coming back after five seasons. 
You thought they were yeah. dead. <laughs> or like a Marvel character who you can never kill. <laughs> right. Also, when you said Helmut Marco was talking to DeVries, I, all I had in my head was the, uh, the, 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 like, Emperor from Star Wars. Just like, <laughs> yes, my child. By the way, Danny, there's your fall guy. <laughs> Honestly, like if I'm thinking about like, oh, you're right, yeah. guys, like totally. Horner still got career left in him. Marco's an old yeah. man. Uh, it was no. technically the head of the entire racing program. Good point. Yeah. Put him at. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, speaking of Verstappen championships, before we get to um, the Suzuka course, uh, Verstappen can technically win the championship here. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it no. Is. Oh no! Oh my God! Oh, Wait, Danny, no. you're right. You're right. Oh, it could no. all happen. It could all happen. Oh no! It could be twice. It could, oh it could no! All happen in a week. I just realized the timing is even worse. Oh my God! What's what does he have to do, Drew? Uh, well, if he wins and takes the fastest lap, it doesn't matter what anyone else does. He oh, will win no. the championship. Will he? Um, <laughs> for how long will he win the championship? Momentarily. Three days? Yeah. Oh. Uh, he could finish as low as sixth, as long as um, Perez finishes behind him and Leclerc finishes, I think, two places behind him. Uh, there, are, you know, there's some wiggle room there with fastest laps, but that's kind of the easiest way to say this. Uh, so it's it's possible. <laughs> oh my gosh, I hadn't considered this. I hadn't yeah, considered the be nightmare a, another scenario. Whiplash. <laughs> How do you us. celebrate? Like I guess you just have to put a brave face on it. If if he wins yeah. it, you have to put a brave face on it and then just pretend everything's great and then <laughs> hope that in three days' time you don't get the book thrown at you. But what about the construct have they wrapped up the constructors already? I don't think so. Okay, technically no, okay, so. Yeah. Oh man. Yep. I was I felt like we were cruising. I felt like 2022, it was a little bit of a boring season. You know, early races were interesting. The summer was a weird slog. I don't know what was going on. Uh, also, that might also all be to blame now because of Red Bull, but we'll, we'll catch that <laughs> for a second. And I was like, oh, we got, you know, six, seven races. Sure, we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Maybe there's some fights in the mid-pack, you know. Oh, boy, I wasn't expecting this. This is, yeah. Well, take us to Japan, Danny. Yeah, let's do it. We miss Japan. Japan's a terrific circus. Suzuka International Racing Circus. Should have looked up the prefecture. I didn't. Oh, I got you. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, The Suzuka International Racing Course is located in Ino, Suzuka City, Mie Prefecture. Ooh, Mie. Good one. Uh, uh, It feels like an old friend, but it's only been around since 87. I mean, only, but like, you know, it feels feels an historic track to F1. And probably because um, there's there's been a lot of sort of like historical moments here. The the, the two Prost versus Senna moments of, you know, the the famous chicane that Senna had to take the escape road down as the final turn, the, uh, you know, first turn the next season. Uh, was where the two of them came to, you know, crash into each other and Senna won the championship. Uh, this was, for a while, the final race of the year, so it sort of had a lot of those moments. Uh, Mansell had some interesting moments here. Um, we have uh, also had tragedy here. This is where Jules Bianchi lost his life in, in uh, Sector 1 during a rained race um, in back in 2014. Can you imagine it's been eight years since uh, since I can remember watching that race like it was yesterday? Um 53 laps, uh, it's a figure of eight, 
which as as well as unique, we go under the track here. They do not cross the track. <laughs> Just it's not Mario Kart. That would be quite dangerous. Um it's also got some of the best turns in in the in the F1 calendar, 130R, which uh was was changed quite a lot after Alan McNish had a pretty terrific terrible crash there and qualifying uh back in the day has also been some really bad MotoGP crashes there over the years. Um but uh it's a it's a big uh crazy left-hander at speed. Uh, do you remember why it's called 130R, Drew? Uh, is that the radius of the turn? Yes, exactly. We looked it up before. It's yeah, 130, uh, ra- the radius of this of this uh, this long turn. Uh, there's also a lot of like, like you're going up a hill and down a hill here. And it just makes for like such a fun race. It means there's buckets of um, downforce for the, the drivers to enjoy. Um, the only real part there isn't is sector one. They're, they're not really flat out during those S curves, or I guess everything up until the... Uh, um, what are those turns called again? Not the Degnas, is it? The two Degnas? Yeah, those two Degnas, those two little right-handers in Sector 2. Everything prior to that is um, uh, taken sort of in the mid-range, not flat-outs. There's a little bit of... Um, you're sort of tuned for having a lot of downforce, so in Sector 1 you don't get as much as you'd like, even though it's uphill. Um, lots of, uh, you know, a decent amount of straights on this one too, um, but uh, really only one DRS point, and that's on the start-finish straight, so... Another one to interesting to see how cars how fast the cars can move behind each other, but um, the drivers love it, spectators love it. It's usually a fun race. Uh, it just looks great. There's something classical about how this track looks. Like it just you know when you're playing a video game and you like you know you're on a Japanese track. There's just something about them, like the turns or the hills or or how many turns there are. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the the color of the advertising hoarding or or the way they like set up runoff I don't know what it is but it just feels Japan and Suzuka feels that way it's it's super iconic in that way um, and I just love I love being here it's great so hopefully yeah hopefully a decent race yeah well uh, I don't think we'll get uh, quite the washout um, that we got mm. ahead of the Singapore Grand Prix um, but we should have fairly consistent temperature looks like uh, a low of 60 Fahrenheit and a high of uh, 74. Um, that's 16 to 23 Celsius. Uh, and mostly sunny on uh, qualifying day. And similar on race day, although there is a slight chance of some rain mm. around uh, the race time. Doesn't look like it'll be very much, though, if, if there is, so... Nice. Uh, look out for that. Uh, in the Fantasy League, if you want to tussle your way up the charts, you can do so using the link in the show notes. Uh, at Singapore, we've got the podium of, from the UK, Jean-Louis' team, Hasta La Vista, baby. <laughs> Very good. Uh, in second place, Scott's team from Canada, A Bit of Bull. And uh, let's see. From America, Tim's team, Pods People. Pods mm, People. Okay. Like side pods, I see. Uh, but overall, we've got, wow, now a tie for second place in the mm. overall season in our oh. fantasy league uh, between the Canadian team, Michael's team, Leo Speed. Uh, from America, James's team, Maximum F Vert. Mm. But. Uh, <laughs> On top, from Canada, Robert's team, 
Toto Sandbaggins. <laughs> That's really good. That's actually really That's good. That's really good. That's really good. I like yes. it. Toto yes. Sandbaggins. They weren't sandbagging this year. <laughs> Certainly not. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, you can do so over at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I am at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world, Danny? Let's race around the world. Yeah, I'm in, a, I'm in my studio now. I can do it as loud as I want. I won't annoy my family. <laughs> Great, yeah. I noticed the, the the drop ceiling up there. It's great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's sprinklers here. So if there's a fire, I'm going to get quite wet. Fantastic. Uh, the World Superbike Championship is at Autodromo Internacional do Ar- Algarve for the Portimao races. Portimao. We have DTM. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the Hockenheim Ring in Baden-Württemberg, <laughs> Germany. Oh, my second favorite ring. <laughs> the NASCAR Xfinity Series is at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course in Concord, North Carolina for the... <clears throat> Drive for the Cure 250 presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. Big fans of uh, Britpop over there. New wave. Wait for it. I don't get it. Wait for it. Drive for the Cure. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, The Rally Cross Championship is at uh, Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps for the Benelux World Rally Cross. Oh, man. I haven't heard Benelux. The... The Benelux has been lost in time. I feel like that that region is just like you don't need your sh- passport. The Schengen yeah, region great. has <laughs> swallowed up Benelux. Uh, we've got uh, the Repco Supercars are at the Mount Pamarana Panorama. Is that word <laughs> motor racing circuit for the Bathurst One Thousand? Oh, cool! Very fun race to watch. Yeah, if you like long. Long, difficult races. Yeah, but very uh, little space on the edge of the track. Yeah. We also got an S-car. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. We drive for the you. cure. I love, I love the cure. Maybe my, the... My favorite. Maybe favorite a different band. band. <laughs> Not enough slide <laughs> guitar for me. <laughs> uh, they're also at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course for the Bank of America Roval 400. <laughs> no yes. more American bank than Bank of America. Or than the word Roval. I forget Roval's what's Roval mean. Word. It's the road the, and the, the oval. road oval. Yeah. They kind of got them. With, they I'm go just relieved ovoed. it wasn't rectangular oval. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. I don't it's four 90 it. degree turns. <laughs> yes uh okay well formula one is also this weekend what do you know is they're at suzuka for the japanese grand prix kicking off uh eastern time thursday october 6th at 11 p.m that's right uh on espn news in america then free practice two is Friday, October seventh, at two a.m. Eastern time on ESPN two. Uh, moving on to free practice three, that is also Friday, October seventh, at eleven p.m. on ESPN News, and then qualifying 
at uh, 2 a.m. on Saturday, October 8th uh, on ESPN2. And then the race, everyone, Sunday, October 9th at 1 a.m. Eastern Time. Oh, boy. On ESPN News. That's a that's a that's an F1 TV VOD for me. Huh. ESPN News, really? What's going on on regular ESPN at four in the morning? (laughs) I don't know. Really need. I don't know. Well, it'll be. Uh. What is that? 11, 12 to uh, 10, 10 p.m. Saturday night. There might be something going on. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I'll confirm all that. Uh, I'm kind of doing it on the fly here. I usually collate all that information before the race, but uh, or before the podcast, but I will confirm that sometimes the schedules and the channels change uh, on uh, as we get closer to the weekend. But uh, that's that's where it stands currently now. Uh, as we head into Japan, final thoughts, Danny. Man, I just can't get my head past like it. It's almost academic what happens in the race. I'm, I'm just now like I'm going to be every interview at Horner. I'm going to be like watching like a hawk for the for the next week. Um, I don't know why it all just sort of like crystallized during this podcast, but yeah, I hope it's a fun race. Um, you know, hope Nicholas Latifi doesn't crash in into anyone. Um, I hope you know Vettel has a good time there. It'll be his last time racing in asia in, uh, in f1 and uh yeah hopefully it's a it's usually a good race so hopefully we have a good one and then <laughs> buckle in i guess maybe we should it's gonna be hard to do the podcast on i guess it'll we'll it will have to yeah we'll be a day early next week if we do it on a tuesday <laughs> i'd have to do an emergency podcast or something <laughs> maybe yeah uh final thoughts rob so I'm going to be up in New Hampshire uh, next week. I'm not sure I'm able to Ooh. pod with y'all, but like if this comes down, we we may need the emergency pod uh, for for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's like championship feels pretty pretty wrapped up. You know, like I love Suzuka. Looking forward to these these races, but boy, this thing is hanging over it now, uh, and that is. Kind of exciting. <laughs> yeah. this, is the, this is this is a really interesting thing to have happen in F one. Uh, I haven't seen this before. Like there have been huge penalties handed down, but never for something like this, uh, and never this feels like it can be comprehensive in a way we haven't seen before. So very curious how it all shakes out. Yes, as am I. Well, if you would like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you could do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.